I like I keep in mind that if worse comes to worse, I can always default j back to just saying something dumb. <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 225 of Video Games Hot Dog, the podcast that is not the Kingdom of Loathing podcast that we recorded earlier today. Yay! I, I mean, remember ooh, my name this time. I mean, I like them both the same. Do you really like them both the same, Riff? I, I'm supposed to I, remind I, you I about know. something. <laughs> what were you supposed to remind me of? It was uh, maybe a book. <laughs> Oh yeah, you talked about a book that you had read on the KOL podcast. Oh yeah, Poundstone. You wanted to mention it on this one, Paula Poundstone. Oh yeah, I read. Uh, I, I am in the middle of reading this William Poundstone book about what? Did I really want to talk about it on this? Yes. Yeah, huh. because we don't have show notes on the KOL. Show. Oh yeah, so I just wanted to link to this William Poundstone book that I read that I'm reading. Uh, <laughs> okay. It is, it is about uh, randomness and the way that humans are bad at simulating randomness. So wait. If we just want to remember something for the future, we just say it now and it will appear in the it show notes. It will appear notes. in the show notes, oh, that's yeah. amazing. Jim will put it there, or if Jim doesn't, I might, and if I don't, F will. That's rad. F, F valiantly tried the uh, uh, Starburst in Ranch. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, well, he, okay. he took one I for that was great, but what I mean is that picture was great. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, I bet they weren't good. He says they weren't, and Did I believe Did you guys him. know that you can buy a bag of Starburst called Starburst Favor Reds that are just the red Starburst from all the different varieties of Starburst? I just heard that. You wanted did this you? in the show notes, too, huh? Did, did, you just, <laughs> did you just learn this on the Kingdom of Loathing podcast that we just recorded where I described this? It's possible that I've seen that out in the wild and just didn't find it remarkable, but... Uh, I, you talking about it makes my me goal it. was to go to a store and buy enough starburst that i would have just a bunch of red starburst oh mm. that's weird and when i got there there was a bag of just red starburst oh. for sale anticipated at, at the walgreens yeah my needs were anticipated by that brand thanks m&m you know, Mars. They, they lost a bunch of money because otherwise you would have probably bought like five times as oh, many bags. They really did, yeah. Yeah, they weren't anticipating. This but then he would have resold all the colors he didn't want. Oh, yeah. The black yeah. market. Right. Or the <laughs> yellow market or the orange market. I'm not sure. <laughs> black. The black Starburst. <laughs> <laughs> you, you put them all in your Squid mouth English. at once and it becomes black. Ah, that licorice Starburst would be pretty good, actually. That texture, oh, but licorice. God. Oh, it'd be super good. No. I, I would. Yeah. I mean, that's basically I, You need the to keep those away from me because I would just eat the whole thing. Just a big square good and plenty yeah the candy coating i don't like the candy coating of good and plenty really i don't yeah, feel it's like, like the, weirdly bitter i don't feel like the kinda, that's that's probably experience i like to, to yeah just kind of nibble it off and then hmm. mm. you know what's cool is to take a hot tamale and then just suck on it until it just becomes a little oh, clear like, lozenge that doesn't taste like anything except sugar yeah uh. And, that then is you, pretty and then cool. you put that in a little box for later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you have like a little, they're, they're like little, uh, just a, gems. a whole pile of them. Yeah. Just they're, like they're a just little, all slightly a moist. box of glistening kind of red <laughs> fuel cells. Jewels. No, they're not, they're not even red. They're just clear. Oh, they're they sort of like little mini. They're like mini suppositories. Yeah. They stop okay. being red. The, the, the spicy and the red all comes from the coating. Oh. The center of a hot tamale is just like clear. More or less, sh only sugar flavored that's, gelatin. That's more or less true of like mega warheads too, right? Like the intense sort of sourness yeah, is all. It's like the, the powder on the outside. Did I ever mention the time that I got a lemon head stuck in my nose? 
<laughs> Holy shit! Not exactly in my nose. I was. It was great because well, no, but above was, the soft palate, it, you know where yeah, it goes. Yeah, exactly. It was the opposite of great. I was in a movies. <laughs> I was watching a movie and eating lemon heads, and I coughed and something, or sneezed something, oh. or something, and and one of them like flipped up the back of my throat and lodged in my sinus cavity and along with all the carrots you've ever eaten just just sat in there for the rest of the movie and afterwards the rest until of your it life dissolved by itself and just feeling this lemon head just sitting up in there and it's all like vitamin c so it didn't feel good Ugh. you didn't you didn't want to like do an emergency like pepsi neti pot <laughs> no nope. oh, that's a good idea uh, I, I would love to see like a pop rocks and Pepsi neti pot or or just like tongs that are curved appropriately to reach into that cavity. Oh, like like uh, like Quaid in Total Recall. Uh, oh, yeah. Has oh, to get I, that. I, I totally didn't want to whatever emergency you just said. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I was I was lying in bed uh, eating those little mini chewy sweet tarts. That are like, uh, they're shaped like tartan tinies, but they're maybe twice as big on every axis than tartan tinies. Okay. Uh, and I laughed at something and it caused one of them to just fall down my throat in a way that was really uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, when something goes down your throat and you don't want it to, it feels like it just gets stuck to the edge of your throat well, and then just yeah. really it slowly. could go into your lungs, right? Yeah. It didn't, I guess. It might be. It might <laughs> still be I don't know. I might there. still be breathing <laughs> chewy sweet tart. But it's like, why am I lying on my back and eating little pieces of candy I bet while if you, laughing? I bet if you take up smoking, the smoke will dissolve that the sweet tart in your lungs. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. I could go back to smoking. It was awesome. Why I, did you stop then? Because uh, it was going to make you die. Make me die? Mm-hmm. You yeah. smoking was going to make yes, me die. secondhand smoke is a first-rate killer, huh. Kevin. <laughs> it's also expensive. It's an yeah, expensive but, way to kill somebody. You know, that you, you never don't have money for cigarettes, and if you're not buying cigarettes, it's not like you have that money for something else, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm serious though. Yeah, you, you totally yeah. do though. As somebody who like lived extremely frugally for many, many years, which I've I've forgotten all of those. You never skills. smoked. It's true, but I I wouldn't smoke. I wouldn't do anything that requ- I wouldn't drink. I wouldn't go out and do things i had a friend who i saw spend his the literally his last money on a pack of cigarettes you always do as opposed well no like he didn't have a job he didn't have a source of income as opposed to spending it on food because he was also hungry because i presume he knew that he could rely on people's goodwill to get food but Mm. people were gonna weren't just gonna buy him a pack of cigarettes because yeah, you can get free cigarettes, but you have to be buying beer yeah. at a bar <laughs> okay. also, to reliably get free cigarettes. Also, if you have cigarettes, you're not as hungry. Yeah, that's also true. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Can you not drink water at a bar to get free cigarettes? I don't know. I think they'd kick you out. You if you were just sitting there drinking this... water, bumming cigarettes off people, oh, also, can I bum some of your beer? <laughs> this pop screen just keeps sliding off. I, tell me, like, in the middle of this sentence, does, does the solid quality of my voice change? Well, no, you didn't say any plosives in the middle of that yeah, sentence. Yeah, it's, it's okay. like pop, popping. In the middle of this pile of phonemes. Uh, one thing, so it's not that, it's the, it's the actual, like, uh, 
Yeah, this pile of ponies. It's the actual sort of like of band of metal that's the problem because it just sort of weakens over time. Uh, so you want to push band? it way, way past where you want it to be and then hope that it falls where you want it to end yeah. up. Yeah. I'll, you just put the metal I'll try band that. way past where you want it to be. Yeah. You have to crank it up no, to 11. You're fucked. So then the other option is to like, yeah, exactly. Just reorient the whole thing. Yeah. Pop filters are obnoxious. <laughs> they really, I mean. They eventually just all turn into this, though. Yep. Yeah, th- this is getting good. Yeah, this, this is great podcasting, guys. Do, so, there's like, I guess in regular studios, there's just a fucking table where things sit and you don't have to have everything on these weird armatures like we have. But this is a, this is nice. Though. Oh, yeah. It's so nice to be able to lean back on a couch and I have agree. a nice relaxed podcast. I wish we had had this. And why didn't we? I was I was a man of some means when we were setting up the podcast studio in Arizona. We oh, had nice. talked about well, attaching we had is, talked about attaching stuff yeah. to the ceiling. the ceiling, yeah, so that we wouldn't be bumping the table. Right. Like that is another that's a side effect of this is that we're far away from this table and we don't tend to bump it. Also, these these mics are We've got shock those weird mounts. upright like a mic like you'd put in front of a guy at a press conference and they're in shock mounts. Yes. Um I got those like rubber shock mounts for the directional vocal mics, but they just did nothing. Yeah. They accomplished literally nothing. They might they might not uh sound super different if there's an earthquake or something <laughs> but just hitting the table it just goes right through do you guys want to answer some listeners mail from listeners the listeners oh sure all right f writes i finished orson scott card's treason in two days after zach recommended it during some ramble he was going on about it was an amazingly unique sci-fi novel that i couldn't put down what's next on the must read before becoming a skeleton book list i was thinking about the other books that i have read that i just started reading and then did not stop reading until I was finished with them. And the only two that I can specifically remember having that experience with were Firestarter, the Stephen King book, which I feel is just like his you think that's best, his best work? I think I think that, it is his that's best one of his work few I've never read. It's his best I it's my favorite of his books apart from the first three Dark Tower books. Yeah. And uh, sphere by Michael Crichton. Hmm. That's yeah, that is super consumable. I mean, it depends on what you. Yeah, yeah. Want. It's not like I mean, in treason also, it's not like great literature. Treason is like it's very like video gamey. I mean, the Da Vinci Code is actually really pleasant to read. It's not good, but like I enjoy pleasant it. Pleasant fun in the manos, the hands of fate sort of way. Yeah, like I guess I could see that. I've seen some quotes that from that book that were astonishingly poorly written but they made me laugh <laughs> so uh-huh. <laughs> okay what about you riff what are what are what are the books that you remember just like getting into and then just i mean i feel like you do this more than we do uh, i mean i used to before i kind of stopped reading books because if i start reading a book and i enjoy it i read the entire book in one sitting and everything else collapses around me <laughs> but um let's see give me somebody else go i need a minute to think about that the the books that like the the are we talking about like uh Genre fiction, sci-fi stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what F was talking about. Yeah, my 
two favorite sci-fi books are by the same author and they're kind of in the it's uh, Werner Vinge wrote two mammoth books in the 90s of uh, one of which was called uh, Fire Upon the Deep and the other one was A Deepness in the Sky and they are one is sort of a sequel to the other but not really are like, these the like post singularity oh uh, one of them it was it the the universe was explicitly constructed to deny the possibility of a singularity because um like he was thinking at the time about like how it's it would be um what's what's the word? I'm, th- I'm thinking of like a word that's like deceptive but but you're not doing it on purpose you're just doing it like hmm you're just doing it man by chance no there's fo- totally if I'm I'm like 36 years old and my brain is just farting so out through my spine right See, now. <laughs> if you had if you had smoked pot in your life, you would attribute this to having smoked pot. Yeah, yeah. no, but, yeah. but it happens to everyone whether they've smoked a lot of pot or not, uh-huh. which is why it's not because of the pot. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he felt like he couldn't uh, honestly write sci-fi. Uh, he, he couldn't. R- physically write sci-fi about the singularity because human beings can't do that. Um, huh. And he couldn't write... Um, he, he, so he needed to construct a universe where the singularity could not happen in order to write any anything but the nearest future sci-fi. Um, the other book, um, A Fire Upon the Deep, was written in a universe constructed such that the singularity had happened, but... Um, but humans were protected from it. Um, and so he could write about those humans and still have them operate on a human level. Uh, I really like these two books a lot in terms of like being able to have, um, very space opera type themes and action, uh, while still being, effectively hard hard sci-fi like being able to marry those two things i was really impressed by that um these two books are also like i read these these when um i was a like a pretty unpleasant hardcore libertarian (laughs) um and those themes run really strong in these two books so i don't know if i would still like them now but um well i i think that f you know, I've met him, and he's a pretty unpleasant, hardcore libertarian. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> Go really for not. it, dude. Not, he is none of those things. Well, he's oh, pretty. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, those are probably still my two favorite sci-fi books. I'm assuming that F has read like Ender's Game. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, it's weird that, that Treason by Orson Scott Card is one that's not easy not to well known. find. It's not well known, and it's I, I felt like it was really good. It. He writes a lot of these like weirdly large sweeping things. Like there is a set of his books called Homecoming that is about like mankind gets too warlike. And so they invent this AI to like kind of mind control them back to the Stone Age sort oh, of. And that just keeps everybody in line. But then it's like once they're. Once they're cool, 
the technology like reveals itself and this like weird kind of agrarian medieval society that's there and everybody's okay, like starts to get access to some more technology. Um, and treason is like this just, there are these colonies that were all, like, there's a, there's a planet that was a prison colony for like sort of thought crime dudes and so one of them was a geneticist and so like he bred into his family like the ability to regrow limbs and stuff and then this is like thousands of generations later and like just over time that i mean there was you know there were others that had these different specialties and they're just like different like distaff branches of of humanity that have evolved with superpowers basically and they're trapped on this planet because there's very little metal on the planet and that just normal metal is the currency, which they get it all from off world. Like the planet has Mm -hmm. no metal on it, which is why they just abandon them there knowing that they'll never be able to build faster than light travel to get off of it. So they're just sort of, it's like uh, space, Australia, Hmm. space, Australia. Huh? Anyway, it's super, super good. And I recommend that everyone read it. Um, it had a different title. It might be, if you're just like looking for it in a used bookstore, it might be a planet called treason as opposed to just treason. But anyway, I, I went through a phase where I read basically everything that Orson Scott card wrote, even, and a lot of his stuff is just like weird. Like this is what happens to Mormons in 2110 or whatever. It's like, Oh, okay. Uh, winter base says my colleagues is, uh, my colleagues has agreed that it, I thought it was yes. books. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> so, um, basically anything by Dan Abnett, who writes, I, I, I guess he writes books not of this series, but what this I- the Warhammer guy? Yeah, what I know him for is he writes novels for the Warhammer 40k universe, and uh, they're really good. I, I, I believe people will not contradict me if I say that he's the best author writing Warhammer 40k novels. <laughs> But, uh, which, okay, I guess maybe that doesn't sound like a high bar to clear, but they're really good. Is this like Eisenhorn? Yeah, he does a lot of, he, like, he's done a, he's done some books that are like the, the grunts on the ground dealing with war and so on. And they're really good war novels, but he also has done some trilogies involving the Inquisitors who are like the, the Warhammer 40k secret police that are rooting out spy stuff and and so on and they're really fascinating just as they're like like far future james bond kind of stuff but in this setting that is so absurdly dark it's hilarious except they're playing it completely straight so it's just the the world the, the world building is really fun and it's very i don't know strange but it's well written there's also a book I read that, unfortunately, I can't think of the title, and I'm not in, even entirely certain that the author was Charles Strauss, but the the plot behind it was that mankind had figured out teleportation uh, technology so thoroughly that it was used for all kinds of transportation. It was like, you know, Star Trek-style dematerialization, rematerialization, transportation being used to like move not just cargo but also people like around the galaxy and because the people's patterns were editable 
before they were rematerialized, it was also used as like healthcare because if something was wrong with the guy, they just fix him in the pattern before rematerializing him. So people were also basically immortal. And it transpires that there was a war that happened that nobody knew about because the shape that the war took was a computer virus that infected all of that infected people's patterns when they were dematerialized and that like planted the code for this virus into that person's pattern so that when they rematerialized and then went through a different warp gate that the the pattern virus would then infect that warp gate too and the function of the virus was to do something that nobody knows what it was and also prevent anybody from realizing that it existed or, or that anything was happening. I want to read this book real bad. It's, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try and, I'll try and hunt it down on my bookshelf. It was real weird. This is probably just a really awesome dream you that, had. And <laughs> now you've pissed us all off. That that's, was also like, weirdly, almost, it's only the backstory. That's like the setup to a story that's, that's that has to do with like somebody like they somebody from this world moves into a sort of like enclave that's like a a 20th century historical reenactment for for some reason that i don't entirely remember and (laughs) oh where they just where they just have to perform all the events of the movie war games yeah (laughs) both of those themes are actually very like both of those things almost happen exactly as you describe in a fire upon the deep so hmm i don't think that was it i don't think i've yeah no no i've I've read almost no Werner Vinge, I don't think right it it wasn't what you what you describe but like very similar events Hmm. I'll uh, yeah I'll hunt down whatever book that is I'm sure I still have it here somewhere and And we'll put it in the show notes notes. I mean F we'll put it in the show notes Winterbase says, My colleagues have agreed that a room escape game is a fun way of doing a team building exercise. Since none of us has ever done any of these so far, I wonder if you had any tips on what to think of when going into these types of things. They're so variable. Well, there are some, there are some general strategies that you always announce out loud anytime you find anything. Or when you fart. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or if you're holding a newspaper. (laughs) Um, you, you basically need to expect that there were like there are going to be different kinds of puzzles and that you're going to have to find clues in disparate parts of the space or whatever and and accumulate them in one location or with one person or like a small group of people while other people are doing other things like <clears throat> there's definitely strategies that that I feel like are s- relatively successful in in approaching these kinds of situations if people have like if people are good at crosswords and you find a crossword let them do the crossword you know that kind of stuff you're not going to succeed without somebody kind of taking charge of specific things but then that also sucks in a situation where maybe people don't know each other quite as well yeah. like it it ends up throwing just personality traits of like dominance and submission and resentment into sharper relief because it's like quasi high pressure. Yeah. Because there's usually a time limit. Yeah. And, and it's like not real pressure, but it feels like, you know, it, 
in order for you to win, somebody needs to be taking it really seriously and being kind of alpha male about being in charge of it, at least elements of it individually. And it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have to be the same person necessarily. Yeah, but it's just somebody, ha- somebody, somebody has, has to push, to, has, somebody has to, to occasionally button. say, okay, I need everyone to right. try this right now yeah. because I think this might be important. Yeah. And actually be able to convince people to do it or you're just not going to get anywhere. Yeah. But the person who does that is an asshole. Like it, it's, huh? And it just has to be right. I mean, that's like, and, you know, I don't know. We've we've done a bunch of them in. It's it's a different animal if it's people that don't know each other very well. Mm-hmm. We did one where yeah, it was so a bunch of us that knew each other and had done a bunch of room escape games, and then like a couple who was there who were oh, yeah. just very quiet. But they were you know, smart. And they, they were. Helped. They were. And they solved a bunch of the things, right? Yeah. Like, they did a bunch of stuff. But it was like, I don't think it was nearly as much fun for them that because we were so... Like, we did not think we did not think of ourselves as being domineering because we were all on the same wavelength, but they weren't. I mean, your, Jim, your experience of doing this one with us, which was, was the first awesome, one you'd right? done, was basically just feeling like you were watching... Kevin solve all the puzzles. I had actually done one before that, no. but but yes, like I I didn't. I don't know if I felt like I actually contributed anything to that. Like there I, there are plenty of room escapes where I feel like I, I didn't actually do anything. Sure, and I, I feel like I mean it was still fun to watch, but like the individuals, the the odds that you're gonna like do something cool are. It's just random, right? Like, do yeah. you happen to wander over to the thing that you happen to know you, how to do deal with? Right, have yeah. the aha moment that nobody else has the, had. Yeah. The one I had done before that, it was, I, I think there was definitely, um, it was most people's first one. It was all mm. people who knew each other, but it was most people's first room escape and nobody took charge. And there were, there were definitely things like there were instructions on, uh, on a blackboard and we had like, that you were supposed to like complete and we had completed it to the point where we knew what the instructions said. But like, I think it was video game instincts where we wanted to hundred percent the room yep. before moving on. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out that was like, we were in the first half of the, the, the puzzle, not, not having a sense of the scope of those things is really rough, right? Because like you could be in a situation where there are four rooms you move through and you don't even yeah, know, right? Well, and, and I, that's that was my frustration with that this genre of um, game in general is that I don't have a sense of what sorts of yeah the scope is a good way to put it that that this designer likes to use and an hour isn't enough time to get a sense of yep. it. Where if if I'm if I'm spending you know ten hours in a video game in a puzzle game, uh, then it's it it becomes a lot more clear you know after a couple of hours like what what sorts of things I should expect, mm-hmm. uh, and also like video games tend to have a a particular um, particular like vernacular for like even visual vernacular for for conveying scope. Um, and and so that that was I don't know how you deal with that other than just like you do a bunch by the same person. Yeah. But then that's gets kind of dull, right? Doing the Japanese ones like they're the scrap ones like they so they're like they're hiring additional puzzle designers mm. to try to I think make it 
both the fact that they're doing more and more rooms and also like sort of anglicizing the puzzles a little bit maybe yeah there's um there's another escape from AT&T park yeah i saw out, that but it sounds like you're not going to be around oh yeah so right so th- there are two interesting questions that are basically just seem like just argument starters quine writes do you think that jigsaw puzzles are puzzles i think absolutely <laughs> yes uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I mean, word finds are puzzles. I think, I think puzzle is has has become a large category, and yeah. jigsaw puzzles definitely fit in that category. So are we gonna if argue what, what's a, a game, game next? I mean, yeah. the- <laughs> what what sort of definition of puzzle would you have I, that jigsaw yeah, like didn't? The, you can't even into. have the discussion without defining what a puzzle is. That's what the discussion I is. Feel like, I mean, a, puzzle a jigsaw is, puzzle a where you don't know what it looks like is suddenly a puzzle a puzzle is but a puzzle i mean i think one where you do know what it looks like like a puzzle is just a thing with an end state that has had obstacles put in between you and it sure like traffic yeah (laughs) i don't think that i don't i think that describing tetris as a puzzle game i think describing those kind of games as puzzle games is like a weird oblique use of the word puzzle that I, I, I wonder if match like using tetris game? that way is a reference to jigsaw puzzles oh yeah mm. is is a match three game a puzzle game i mean yeah because that's what that word means as a video game genre but i don't think that and i mean i think you can construct a puzzle using match three mechanics but i don't think just playing match three puzzle playing puzzle. an endless match three i don't think playing tetris is solving a puzzle playing tetris is playing a game you know here here's the here's the bigger one okay philosophical question says abraham lincoln are games in the civilization series roguelikes they are randomly (laughs) generated turn-based have permadeath and even use grids i would argue that they absolutely do not have permadeath because you can save yeah uh, i mean and you are not a discreet actor on the grid back when i has to have a player (laughs) avatar all the ones that yeah, I, mean, I, I can't Rogue think does. of one that doesn't. Yeah, back when I was a a roguelike prescriptivist, um, <laughs> I had a pretty specific definition in my head for roguelike, which um, I, I think the the restrictions were it had to have permadeath, meaning no save forking. Um, it had to have randomly generated levels, and it had to have randomly generated item sets. Oh, like potions that would randomize upon yeah play or something so toe jam and earl yes is but toe jam and earl you can't save in that is it there's no save forking it well there's no saving i don't think in okay. toe jam and earl and, and are the levels randomly generated too yep okay um i so i have a kind of a dsm approach to it right like I think that as long as if, it's enough if it has enough quality of the elements of roguelikes that oh yeah right it can it can have up to 5 or up to you know it can have if it has 3 of these 5 things then you can say that it's you know I mean it has roguelike elements like RPG right like Zelda has RPG elements Zelda is not an RPG like civilization has RPG elements. Yeah, exactly. Right, because you know you're interacting with other civilizations and you're having conversations and you're choosing how to level your civilization. I mean, NetHack is an RPG. 
right? Sure. Oh, sure. Rogue is an RPG, and like, to say it, that something is rogue like roguelike is not a genre. That's the whole thing. Like roguelike is a descriptor. It people use it as a genre, though. I I, I think the the well, but those the, people are wrong. Maybe. But what is the I, I don't want to have that argument. But descriptor um, and genre. Like I'm, I'm not. To, I'm, I don't mean to like back out an entire level, but like. Well, I, I mean, I think that, that it, roguelike is not sufficient to describe a genre because even rogue was not a roguelike. Rogue was an RPG with all of these features that became emblematic of a like style of gameplay that can be applied to any genre of game. Like Rogue Legacy is a platformer before it is a roguelike. It is a roguelike platformer. Uh, before I accept that argument, yeah. I want you to come up with another, a bunch of other descriptors that modify games like that. But I don't actually want you to do that because I want to talk about this instead. <laughs> um, I like, to me, the thing that, diff- like, the, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me if civilization is a roguelike is that there's no player avatar in civilization. Right. Like, that, that's, and that that um but a roguelike where you are the level that disqualifies it immediately yeah i mean that that's an interesting uh design experiment i'm sure yeah super monkey ball where you play the world why do you not think you're the ball again Super Monkey Ball. This is this we've, was like a, you've mentioned this before, and I don't remember what you I, said because I don't, the ball remains in the middle of the screen, and you're uh, the environment. There, this was it. like some. This was like a selling. This was on the back of the box or Are something. Are you the road and night driver? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, in there's there's definitely some weird shit going on with Super Monkey Ball, where like I think the camera follows the ball, but when you. Uh, when you move the thumbstick, you're actually rotating the board physically. Hmm. Right. I mean, the whole point of monkey ball is that it's like a marble maze, right? Like it's, yeah. A... yeah, I guess. So when you play a marble maze, you are definitely manipulating the maze and not the marble. Um, but on the other hand, like I definitely think of the marble as being my guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's... <laughs> hmm. So what, what so you were saying you is you want me to come up with something else like roguelike if I am to say well, that I just roguelike like, is a descriptor I just don't have a, a genre? I don't have enough of a mental framework for what you're saying to like fit and it into my world. So my like, come up with another example that might help. The, sci-fi. Whoa. Okay. So like my argument with, with you, Zach, is that like a genre evolves over time and like enough instantiations of something evolve to create a genre. So like roguelike can become a genre if enough instances of it in the world exist. I don't think that you can make a roguelike game that does not have another clear and present genre, such as RPG or platformer. Traditional roguelikes were all RPGs and it's rolled into that definition. Right. But I mean, like rogue legacy it's an RPG, but it's a platformer, right? It's a platformer with RPG and roguelike elements, is what I would say. I mean, I would say that RPG has kind of become that. Yeah, I don't know, man. Sci-fi, sci-fi is closer to, to the kind of thing that I think roguelike is. 
Like, there are things, like, if it has spaceships, maybe it's sci-fi. If it has laser guns, maybe it's sci-fi. If it has robots, yes. maybe it's so sci-fi. What does it needs a cloud of those things. If you're... That's a very good question. Because that doesn't fit into other genres that I, I mean, can think it's... of. Yeah, you're right. It's a puzzle right. game. It's, it is a puzzle game, yeah. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> Honestly, yes. Uh... That's Puzzle that feels like that feels like you are. Yeah, well, so I mean I mean what is what is Helix, right? I mean, like you can't take like the wackiest art guy and and like use him use okay, his genre defying things to define the notion of genre. We we had we had comfortably described it as a roguelike before. And so Okay. That's yeah. what I, that's why I'm Using that as what example. I want to talk about now, sci-fi. <laughs> if you if you're looking at like books or film, that is a genre. Sure. So why is that not considered a genre in games? I think because games, the fundamental thing about them is the way that they play, not the thing that they're about. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That has probably got to be changing too, though, because like, Sibel, right? Like. Is that's that, not a game. Well, it's a, it's a walking simulator. <laughs> oh, well, that's the thing. Like, like it's that a, didn't. It's an MMO simulator. It didn't simulator, play. Yeah. It didn't play like anything else. But it was definitely about something and was still a game, right? Yeah, I, I'm obviously kidding. I Are you? Like, I don't know. Like, it's because that's an interesting distinction between. I mean, so, I, so of, I would say that art. the genre of Sibel is interactive fiction. Sure, I would definitely agree with that. Right. So, like, and are and. and Interactive fiction is a game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I was kidding when I said it was a game. Oh, I wasn't sure. I, no, I don't know. I, like, no. games games are these interesting outliers of systems I mean, at this point. Gone Home is a first-person shooter, right? <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> it's... First-person rummager. <laughs> I mean, Fallout has a lot of rummaging oh, yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's an RPG. <laughs> It's not a rummaging game. Yeah. First person rummager. Yeah. So the existence of a grid that you do not traverse does not make a roguelike. That is an excellent point that I w- that would not have occurred to me. Like I I don't know that I can think of any game that I would describe as roguelike that does not have a player avatar. And that's not often brought up as one of the central yeah. pieces of roguelike. I mean, it's one of the, like, you know, it's one of the central pieces of any game that's not like a god game, right? Or, yeah, that's, I was just going to say, is it is it the other way around that that lack of a player, that having a player avatar is just a game default and lack of one is how you identify, say, a god game? Or you could totally take, you know, like, Pillars of Eternity. Does Pillars of Eternity have a protagonist? You have a you character. Have a party. You have a party, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you also make a character, right? Oh, is what you just make a guy and that's you? Yeah. And then there well, are... Okay, you have so, a party so let's pretend it doesn't. Let's pretend you just have a party, because a lot of games do just have Bars, a party. Yeah. Like, right. you could totally just have that, and then you're going through randomly generated dungeons. You'd probably call that a, a roguelike... Well, I'd say in that case, well, you, yeah, just you, have you don't have an avatar because you have avatar. multiple avatars. I'm sure. Or, or yes. you have the, you know, the, your player avatar has 
six different shaped dicks and one of them can cast spells. Yeah, exactly. Okay, what, what, if right. you, what if it's a god game where you don't have an avatar, but you have like a cow maybe that acts sort of as your avatar? And you can train it to throw its poop in the food supply. Yeah. If there was a, if, if you started with a randomized board. your avatar and that was the hand. In chess, yeah, you might be right. If 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 at the beginning of chess you just put pieces on there at random, yeah, would that be a roguelike? Would that be a roguelike? <laughs> I I would argue the pieces have to move randomly as well. Like the you'd have like to scramble. Chesh. Yes. Yep. Huh. And if you lost, you were killed. Right. Exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> you had to burn. You had to burn the board after each play. Right. Okay. Have you guys been playing any video games? Yeah. roguelike or otherwise because it's been two weeks since we've been discussed weeks. i played did i ever did i have i talked about bloodborne previously my previous attempt at playing nope. bloodborne so my first attempt at playing bloodborne which was actually my second attempt because the actual first attempt at playing bloodborne was more of a joke where i got stupid stupid drunk and attempted to play bloodborne while live tweeting it uh-huh. Uh, but what, what, playing a game while tweeting it yourself. Well, yeah, I I I stop every few minutes and I see and slur into my phone <laughs> onto Twitter about oh. what difficulty I was having. Will Siri tweet for you? Uh, you know, I've Just never tested. Ask that. Siri to observe the room and describe <laughs> what's happening. Hey Siri. <laughs> oh, but, she isn't uh, listening while we're on Skype. Oh no, that's no. too so sad. God, I don't want Siri hearing this shit. <laughs> well, good because she's not paying any she attention. Might tell your mom. Um, so, but my my actual first attempt at playing Bloodborne uh, did not go real well, and it was real disappointing because of how how much I liked Dark Souls Two. But I just I bounced off of Bloodborne real hard and found it really frustrating and uh, and difficult, and all the more so because it didn't have some of the like frustration release valves that uh dark souls 2 had what was the time frame on that like how long were you playing for oh it was like an evening session i don't know a couple hours or so okay and and just didn't get anywhere didn't even unlock the the thing that lets you spend souls to level up Um, okay and that was that was months ago that was like when that was shortly after bloodborne came out i think um and recently, because the DLC came out for it, everyone's been talking about it again, and and so I was like, all right, I I people whose opinions I like really like this game, and I need to give this a second chance and and see if I can make this work. So I put it in again, and this time I chose a different one of the three starting weapons you're you're offered. My my original time I took. Uh, it's called the threaded cane, which is like a cane that converts into a whip. And it's like a, a fast and has reasonable range, but doesn't not super powerful weapon. Um, this, and then in cane mode, it's like shorter range, but more powerful. Uh, yeah. 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 And in, um, in this recent, more recent attempt, I instead went for uh, the, the, uh, I've forgotten what they call it. It's like a saw. It's like a, a giant hacksaw. You were that just converts saying into, saw on Twitter. Yeah, it, it can it converts into it, like a saw blade scythe kind of thing, and uh, 
And I had like a million times better experience. I like stomped the guys in the early level that previously were just destroying me to the point where it, it felt like, like the cane option in that, in the three choices of weapons that you get was like a joke by the developers to fuck with guys. Yeah. That's interesting. And the reason I asked how long you played for, uh, was that I played at, that in the free room at PAX, like the free play room for an hour. Um, and I, I picked the cane mm-hmm. and it was fine. Really? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm wondering how much of it was you being drunk. No, no, that was, this was the, that was the, the second attempt that was after the second, the second attempt. And then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I'm curious, like how much of it, like if it was actually the weapon choice or some other, like uh, some other, like way you were approaching it was different, maybe yeah, or the I weapon choices intersection with riffs. Yeah. Style of playing dark souls too. I mean, there, there are probably, weapons in dark souls that you found tried and were like, ah, oh, this is not, this is True. terrible. Although and went I back tried, to what it, in, in dark souls two, I played primarily a dexterity build character and the cane was the obvious dexterity choice. Right. And I, I, I never used heavy weapons at all. And well, the saw, the, the saw scythe, whatever it's called is not the heaviest weapon you're offered. It's, it was like the middle of the road one. But, uh, but yeah, coming from Dark Souls 2, it seemed like the, the cane was the obvious choice for me when obviously it wasn't. So if you're already playing, if you're in the middle of the game, you can't switch to one of the other three weapon classes? You can, uh, short, like once you've, once you've unlocked the, the doll that lets you level up, you, the, the merchant demon guys will sell you the other two weapons. Uh, but I never got that far in, in my first real playthrough. Um, but yeah, this, it was, man, I, I love it now, now that I've had the experience of like my last night was my second session playing the game. And I just completely cleared out everything in the first area. Nothing was left alive except for the two bosses, which I haven't attempted yet. And from what I had heard people saying that like the, oh, the first area of the game's really difficult. It's, it's, it's one of the toughest areas and you're starting out. And it was like, I did not expect to destroy the first level <laughs> in, right. in, in my second, third hour of the game. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It's just the difference between the difference that that weapon made weapon choice made was so huge that it turned me from like not being into this game one bit into being totally sold. That's an interesting element to like heavily systemic games, right? Like a given person's experience of it can be so dramatically different depending on what choices they yeah. make or what choices the, the random number them. generator of the game yeah. makes for them. Well, even even like a, an adventure game, like even like non-systemic games, someone's going to get stuck on a puzzle or someone's just going to like misread a clue and get really frustrated or like some third genre that I can't think of, like someone's going to run into a glitch that breaks the game for them. Like games are really fragile in these respects. Ah, oh, we were talking to Nevin Morgan, Nevin Mergen? Mergen. Is his last name really M R G A N? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, he made Black Bar, 
uh, on Twitter and he was talking about, I forget what started this conversation, but it was basically just, we're talking about getting stuck on it. And I, and I asked him if he had any data as about he, where he people... posted a poll. It was like, it was black bar too easy or too hard. Mm. Um, and he showed me the puzzle that the most people got stuck on. And he said, we almost took this out because I thought it was just like laughably easy. Huh? But for whatever reason, it, Made people think they needed something that they didn't need. Did Uh, they take it out because it was too hard? They didn't didn't take take it out. out. Okay. It was just in the game. And then that's in the fullness of time. That's where the most people got stuck once they actually had data from its wider release. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's the adventure games. That's the worst. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because you just end up completely unable to play the thing because of some lack of insight and like if there's no way around that right if there's no other puzzle you can solve somewhere else that gives you progressively better hints about it or whatever which nobody designed them like that in the 90s at least right which is when adventure games were sort of late 80s yeah what else have you played riff that has pretty much been oh yeah fallout it's been fallout <laughs> yeah. yeah uh before we move on to fallout um riff have you been streaming bloodborne no the reason i ask is because the playstation 4 just makes it trivial to do so I've, if you're interested i've heard that i have not really looked into that i've started like if something weird happens to me in fallout i like grab the the video clip Right. But uh, I haven't experimented with the streaming yet. Right, okay. Uh, the reason I ask is I want to watch you play Bloodborne. Hmm. So. All right, well, I will look into that. Is there a PC port of Bloodborne yet? No, and they've said they're not going to do yeah. one. Because mm. Sony owns it. Like, oh, do they? Okay, yeah. well, then, then I believe them. Yeah. I have, I have a Fallout story. <laughs> Go. Go for it. Let's do it. I... I realized when I was thinking about telling this story that it requires kind of a lot of setup, some of which is, like, minorly spoilery. Like, it seems, and I don't know this because I have stopped at a point where I will describe shortly, that the the sort of back half of the main quest of Fallout is concerned with you sort of determining the fate of these androids that MIT has manufactured like one of the, the companion that Riff and I like is one of these guys. And so you've had some exposure to them and like the, they're sort of a boogeyman early on because like, ah, they're replacing people with synths. And it's like, you know, you never know whether a person is a person or a Cylon. They're effectively Cylons. Um, but there's, there's the group that like basically wants to treat them like people. And then there's a group that wants to treat them like objects. Right. And they both make a pretty compelling case and provide a lot of evidence that their side is correct. And I have chosen not to continue with either of the branches of the main quest line because I'm not ready to make up my mind hmm. about that Neat. yet. But but something that has happened as a result of that is that there are these guys that used to be enemies that you would encounter that are just these groups of sort of roving androids that are suddenly friendly to you because you get in you get in with the people who are trying to convince you to be on their side about this. Something that Fallout 4 does systemically that I have not, I don't remember seeing in Fallout 3, but that I think happened in New Vegas 
is that sometimes you will go to a point of interest on the map and say there's a junkyard that is filled with super mutants. Sometimes you'll go there and it's just a junkyard filled with super, super mutants and you kill them. But sometimes you go there and it's a junkyard filled with super mutants that are under attack by a patrol from the Brotherhood of Steel, mm -hmm. right? So there are just some guys there that are friendly to you that are fighting the same guys that you're fighting. Sometimes you will go and it will spawn in a patrol from a faction that is hostile to you. And then there are so just three hostile fight. guys fighting each other, but any of them will attack you if they notice you. Um, and so what started happening since these androids became became friendly is that sometimes there will be patrols of them, which I previously always just took to be, these are the enemies that live in this area. But now I recognize we're like an NPC faction. And I was, because I didn't want to make this decision about what to do with them. I've just been spending the last like half of my time playing, just wandering around the map, like chasing points of interest and seeing, you know, the cool environmental storytelling stuff. That is what I think is actually good. Mm -hmm about these games. So I, I found this place that is, it's like a nursing home that you find and there are no enemies in it. All it is, is this one kind of, yeah, it's not exactly a puzzle, but, but like you walk in and there's a robot working the front desk as a receptionist and you can do a, an easy speech check to like say, yep, it's time for me to check in. My family's filled out all the paperwork. I it's I'm over. It's, I'm done. It's time for me to just live out the rest of my days in this facility. And they're like, oh, great. Welcome. Welcome. We'll give you Edith's old room. And they give you a key to one of the rooms. And what's going on in here is that there are all of these safes that turn out to be full of, like, medicine. And each of the residents of the nursing home had a key to their personal safe. And you couldn't pick the locks on these things. You had to have the keys. And there's a terminal that's like, note to staff, if a resident thinks that they lost their key, they probably just hid it and forgot about it. Here's a list of all their favorite hiding places. And wow. it's like, nice. you know, Gerald hides his behind his paint can on his shelf. And, and so then all of these keys are just hidden in these different skeletons rooms. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Actually hidden as physics objects, right? Like it's not like you interact with a container and it's in there. They're all just like, in this one room. is under the cat dish or whatever. And it's like, you really had to like hold down the button to move a cat dish out of the way so that you could get to the key. And so it was just this cool, cute thing. And I'm like, I'm just poking around doing this stuff, finding these keys. And suddenly, oh, also the, the other, the important part of this is that one of them is like the, the key is under her cat dish and there are cats all over. Mm -hmm. And I had never seen cats before in the game. And I'm yeah, like, oh, cool. There's I've like, I've never seen cats in a fall. I, I, somebody had told me on, in a forum or something at some point, that cats had been written out of the Fallout universe, like none of them survived. But he couldn't he couldn't quote anything, any hmm. reference to back that up. So I, that seems I like a shitty thing. Is... That seems like a thing that Chris Avalon would say, like because he was a dog person. <laughs> yeah, that right? was kind of my guess. But the Fallout but, games, like each, only have one dog in them, right? <laughs> right. Well, no, no. There's a shitload of dogs oh, in Fallout man, the Four. Like mutant dogs oh, okay. are one of the, in Four are so good. They really are. The but there's also just a lot of normal dogs. There's yeah. just okay, like savage okay. mongrel dogs as like yeah, wandering man, the enemies. The super mutant dogs look exactly like you would think a super yep. mutant dog. Yeah, they really do. Like, they're so but, great. So there were just these cats everywhere, and I'm like, oh well, this is cool. You know, in the fiction, they they were talking about how these, you know, these old people had cats, and so it's like, oh, this is sweet. There's no enemies here, and like, there's just been cats living here, and they're cute, and maybe I can get a cat to go to my uh, to go to my base at some point. Like, maybe that's a thing where I could get a cat to live in one of my settlements. 
it's cool that, that they model cats. Yeah, you can build a cat a cafe val- in your in your to town. It to the little girl that owned it at one point. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, I didn't. This this is just the first time I had seen. I had been really noticing also because Brendan Chung has been posting gifs of these. There are birds. Yeah. It, the birds in Fallout 4 are so good. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just they just act like birds, and that I don't know. I've never wanted to try, like, shooting one to see if it's actually a game entity. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sort of used to birds just being scenery. But, so I'm I'm dicking around in this nursing home. And all of a sudden I hear the bark that the Institute androids say when they detect you Stealing. as an enemy when they're, when they're hostile. Like, from back when they were hostile to you. And I was like... Wait, what the fuck? Is this a different faction of androids? Like, why are these guys, why, why did these guys just make the, you know, enemy target acquired bark or whatever? And I realize when I go back down and see them and they're green, they're, they're, they're friendly to me that what has happened is that the game has spawned in a patrol of institute synths who have walked into the nursing home killed the receptionist robot, <laughs> and then just wandered the halls killing all the cats. Wow! Whoa. <laughs> what the fuck? And at that point, I was like, you know what? I don't... I neither want to treat these as people or objects. I want to go find the fucking switch that just turns them all off. <laughs> wow. Like, and I, that is just a thing that fell out of... I forgot that you were telling a story. <laughs> That's the payoff for this whole conversation. I, f- I thought the cats were going to end up being androids. So <laughs> it like the the cats ended up being unwitting victims of this just weird systemic thing, which yeah. is what happens if like, because uh, I guess there's probably just a chance when you go to a place that it will spawn in a patrol of something, whether it's a place where that makes any sense or not. And they just killed everything and, in there. Yeah, I, I, I have, just have no idea. The cat faction and the android faction just happened to be opposed. Yep. That's crazy. I didn't realize cats were killable because yeah, they, I think they're you not could kill. I didn't interactable. Either. Yeah. Wild. Uh, maybe, maybe the game is pushing you to take an opinion. <laughs> maybe it is. I mean, it certainly did. Like now, I like I honestly like was leaning towards. Like, working with the kind of underground railroad faction that was trying to, like, get that, like, I have a quest to, like, set up an armed insurrection of these guys to escape from their, like, MIT dork overlords. But now I'm like, you know, maybe I'll just put a bunch of sawdust where I'm supposed to put these guns so that they'll all (laughs) die because fuck these things. (laughs) Like, I don't think that would actually play out that way, but, ah, man. It was... That basically never happens to me where systemic stuff makes me kind of change my mind about the actual written story mm-hmm. stuff. And like it just that confluence of things that allowed that to happen is just, ah, oh, God, it's so fucking good. Yep. Yeah, it's so kind of amazing. Good. I had like at one of the previous places and this, I think kind of, kind of exposes my actual feelings about this. Like, all right, there's a patrol of Institute synths that are here fighting these raiders that are in this area. One of the, one of the synths has that star by his name, which means that he has a rare <laughs> gear drop. 
I could probably just accidentally headshot that guy in the middle of all this confusion. Just, you know, because, I mean, it's not a person, right? Like, if it was like, if it was like a legendary Brotherhood of Steel guy, I would feel bad about killing a person. But like, mm, I kind of want to know what piece of gear that, that legendary institute synth is holding. And nothing seemed to happen after I killed him. Yeah, I, 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 I want to make uh, a joke about like some like real life analog to this, but I can't think of like a good like racial minority to do it about <laughs> that would be safe. Right. There's the, or, there's that one racial minority that always has, they're always carrying cool stuff and they're not actually conscious. Right. <laughs> That's what, what is that a stereotype? Of? <laughs> Treasure chests. <laughs> I can't like I can't think of a safe punchline to that either. <laughs> like armored cars. Okay, all right. Yeah, I uh, um, I I am kind of on the Brotherhood side. I'm like I'm working with them now just to just to do as much of their content as I can without having to make a final decision. Yeah, without having to pick them for the end game. But yeah, there's a certain point where there's a, I've gotten to a point where it's like, if you do this quest, the Brotherhood of Steel will be hostile to you for the yeah. rest of the game. And, and I'm yeah, just like, I, uh, I'm getting to that point that. with each faction before I, I, I will probably end up going with the railroad just because oh, I didn't realize you just that it save was... the game right before you make the choice and then play the game out. Twice. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, I, that doesn't, I that doesn't work though because of the kind of, yeah. Yeah. And because plus, of the what? It's that I feel like that's a thing that happens like two thirds of the way through whatever your yeah. your version of the main. Oh, right. But then I didn't play, realize that there were are there three the opposed game. factions that there are four, including the Institute, including the cats. Yeah. Oh, I, I must not know what the other uh, the Minutemen. Oh, I, I have not encountered any situation where the Minutemen were in conflict with anybody else. Uh, you have have you done all the the base building shit they ask you to do. I assumed those were randomly generated. So I just sort of stopped. I, they are, but they're, they're tagged. Like after you have done X number of these, this event happens. And after you have done so many more of them. Oh, so like the, the storming the castle and the big guns thing are okay. Okay. Um, But yeah, they, they eventually get in, get in conflict with the rest of them. But, but anyway, all, all I wanted to say was that all, although I am nominally playing, nominally playing for the brotherhood right now, I kind of feel like this iteration of the, of the brotherhood is jerks. So although I have not been killing them, I have been taking opportunities to pickpocket the fusion cores out of the back of their armor and then stealing the armor when they get out and wander off. <laughs> <laughs> I've always, had a hard time playing Brotherhood of Steel content because I always thought they were just really boring. <laughs> like I don't find yeah, they're kind of they're just high tech military goons, really. And there's like a little bit of a religious aspect to it. Although you know, I did like the gal who could be your companion in New Vegas. Yeah, I li- I I liked her except that she was super. Uh hand-to-hand focused and because i was always snipery focused she tended to fuck things up if i had her with me yeah i was like small guns so it worked out like medium me being at medium range and her just punching the heads off dudes yeah all the time yeah i always ended up going around with the sniper guy from the that lives in the big dinosaur oh in the yeah in the dinosaurs now such a boring dude though 
Yeah, he, and he was just kind of the bad guy companion too, right? Like he I don't think he was evil. He just he was taciturn. I haven't bothered hiring the guy who's in the bar in Good Neighbor because he seems like just that like oh, I'm Hancock? just a, no. Uh, oh, the other, uh, the other guy, the guy who the, is McCready. Yeah, he's he. You know, he's the grown-up version of the kid from uh, Fallout Three, I think. Oh, he's he's the kid. He's one of the little lamplight kids. Yeah, yeah. Oh, huh. But yeah, I haven't done anything with him either, just because I had I had plenty of companions to deal with already and didn't need another one. Yeah, I've just stuck with. I finally met that Kate girl that you were talking about. Yeah, I just hadn't done that quest. I eventually ran into the French robot girl too. She's pretty fun. She's cute. She she's she's adorable in the way that a robot trying to figure out what it's like to be a human person is adorable. Is she one of the like Mister Handy? Yeah, well, she, well, yes, and I'm not going to spoil anything further than that. Okay, where do you find her? She is in a vault that, uh, I think it's Vault 81. It's sort of in the Midwest area of the map. I feel like it's, it's like west of, uh, Lexington, I think. I have found very few vaults. Those are the things that are, like, the most interesting to me. There are, there don't seem to be a lot of them in this one. There's, like, that's a bummer. Yeah, I've, I've, Preferred those. Although I think there is, I think there's a hidden one that I haven't. Somebody alluded, or I saw something somewhere that alluded to the fact that there is, there is one like hidden in the basement of a building that you otherwise would not expect. There's like one in the bottom of like a schoolhouse or something somewhere that that doesn't show on your map as. As a vault. As oh. a vault, yeah. I mean, the, they were certainly the most interesting thing about Fallout 3, but there were only like five or six of them. Yeah, that's right? true. So. That's true. But they're always super interesting because of finding out what the what the crazy social experiment for that vault was. Yeah, one that I found in Fallout 4 just seemed like uh, they're just still living there and it's, real, it's a real tight ship and people seem to be unhappy, but I just didn't care. Oh, is that the one where... You come up to the door and they ask you for three fusion cores before yeah. they let you in. Yeah. Go go back there and check around some more because that's where that's where the quest is to find this character. Oh, okay. Yeah. It might be that you actually have to leave and come back before the quest for that oh. is activated. Okay. Um, you know, the other thing that I played a bunch of over Thanksgiving was last week's Tavern Brawl in Hearthstone. Oh, what was which that? Was ri- it was just another one of the super randomy ones where you made your own deck. It was one of the ones where you made your own deck. And every time you play a minion, it gives you a spell whose casting cost is the same as the minion you played, but you can cast it for zero. It just goes into your hand and you can cast it for zero. So... The games were just crazy. Oh, and that's the one where somebody came up with that. Both players kill, die. Kill everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. was the, yeah, because it, it required, like, you could get spells from other classes, right? You get spells right. from any class. So that was, that was a combo that required a priest only minion and a druid only spell mm. that just killed everything on the board. It was like restore all characters to maximum health and the, your healing powers do damage instead. So it just instantly killed everyone. Um, but it, like, it gave you, because of all the free spells, you got so much 
removal and everybody's deck was just all minions that games were just crazy and they went on for so long and <laughs> so ma- you got to try so many crazy things that you would never get to try otherwise like it was it was like so much fun to play whether you won or lost like you're just like oh i could just like I've played all these cards that I don't own and I've like done all these weird things that would never happen in a normal game because they require classes or cards for multiple classes and stuff like that. It was, it was a ton of fun. Although uh, there's no point in saying that now because you can't play it anymore. So they don't ever let you go back and play old tavern. They re- they repeat sometimes. Uh, this this week's play Tavern this? Brawl is super weird. Are you playing it on a tablet? Do you play it on your PC? I play it on my PC usually okay. when I should be working. Okay. But sometimes when I'm in Arizona, sometimes I'll play it on my tablet while I'm out on my smoking porch. Um, although lately I've just been using my laptop for that. This week's is kind of like a deck building game. Like you start with some cards and then every time you play a card it goes back into your deck and every time it's the end of your turn you discard your entire hand and draw four new cards from your deck Hmm. so I haven't I played a few games of it and wasn't loving it but it's possible that I just don't understand that's a totally different game than their usual yeah that's neat that they could it really really is like I am so like this weird temporary game mode allowing them to try out crazy things like i mean it's sort of like the challenge paths in KOL right like what's like oh what would it be like if this were just a slightly different game oh let's do a seasonal thing where that's what the game is like to be able to try that out like that's i thought it was a pretty clever idea when we had it and i think it's a pretty clever idea when uh, Hearthstone does it cuz they like they've done such weird stuff and, you know, some weeks it's just like, ah, this is sort of interesting. This is sort of goofy or whatever. And then some weeks it's like, wow, I'm going to play 30 games of this. Like, and I'm and sure it's that, probably different for each Yeah, it's probably different kind of for person. different people, which yeah. is awesome. You know, that is awesome. I imagine there were people who were frustrated with the these last week's games being so random and taking so long. But I just I thought it was fun to be able to make decks with a bunch of like high cost minions in them and believe that I was the game was going to last long enough for me to actually play them. <laughs> right. And then, you know, also get a bunch of like high cost spells. It's like, oh, I played this giant and also I got a mind control because that's one of the only spells that costs 10. So like, I got your giant too. Sorry, lol. <laughs> but yeah, that was it. What have you played, Kevin? Uh, I have played a handful of iOS games. Um, I played this game that I think you would find super frustrating called Specimen. Uh, it is a game all about discerning subtle differences in color. Yeah. Um, basically, there's it's like a little Petri dish uh, with little blobs floating around in it, and there's a background color, and you have to choose the blob that matches the background color, and the game starts adding more and more blobs and then having the blobs be closer and closer in shade to the point where sometimes I, I literally cannot tell the difference between two blobs and one of them is right. And one of them is wrong. This doesn't seem like a game so much as it seems like a, just a a thing they would make you do at the doctor. Yeah. It sounds more like a vision test. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's a, it's a game. There are, there are some gamey elements. There are some, they add little things in there that let you, 
freeze time sometimes or things that uh, will get rid of some of the wrong options or whatever. One of the mini games that came with um, a couple of Mario games for the DS was like that. It was like, find Luigi in this pile of faces. Huh. Uh, and they had different ways of obfuscating Luigi. Um, I I guess you could just do that with a color. Yeah. And that's what they did. I, I mean, it is it is an interesting game. Um, I I I don't know. I wouldn't I would not spend a lot of time on it. I think it was it was sort of neat to see some just like like what you could do with one very sort of diving into that mechanic. Um, I've actually played a fair bit of uh, a game called Space Miner Wars. So Space Miner is one of my favorite like iOS games. It's like Asteroids, the role playing game. And they made a, I, I guess, sort of like a massively multiplayer game that's, I guess, like maybe more like Clash of Clans-y type thing with those same mechanics. You're still a little spaceship and you it, you build a little base and you can go attack other people's bases and they can come attack your base. Uh, and there is there is still a single player campaign where you're like doing stuff. Uh, I played this but didn't get to the point where I was invading other people's bases or anybody was invading mine. I kind of felt like it would be worth playing to get a sense of what that kind of thing is like. Yeah. But I don't... It's I, I don't know that I can really recommend it. It is... I really like the the sort of asteroids style gameplay of it. But yeah, Space the, Miner was really good. Yeah, and and that that was punctuated with enough sort of like narrative context and like upgrades kind of thing that made you feel really good. This because they're I think they're trying to extract micropayment right, kind of it's things. It's just punctuated with free to play bullshit. It it slows it down a lot. And is not as much fun. You can, like, the timers on, like, building stuff at your base or, like, upgrading your ship become really, really long. And, of course, you can speed them up with the, like, the pay currency. But, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it the first, I don't know, four hours of it were fun. And then you can just stop. And it's fine. Um and then I've been playing a fair bit of Don't Starve, actually. On the phone? Uh, I played, yeah, I got it on the phone just to see what that was like, and it's okay. It's not awesome. Um, but then I was like, Would you say is... that it is exactly as cool as Minecraft? <laughs> no, it's different. Uh, I think I figured out what your problem was. Uh, I, I, f- I had this like realization because you built the science machine and were like, There are no new recipes, right? You have to be standing next to the science machine to see the new recipes. No, I I, I know. Oh, okay. I understand how it works. Oh, okay. I th- I like because you were talking about how there just weren't any like things to do, and I and I was like, no, there are a ton of like things to build, but you have to like actually be, you have to literally be standing next to the science machine for those recipes to even show up, right? And the alchemy machine or whatever, and the, the there magic just machine. Aren't very many things, and they're not very interesting. Is my there are hundreds of things to build. Well, or a hundred and some things to build. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I have not finished even building all of them yet, and I, I don't even know what all of them do. Um, I, do they do they all help you not starve? That's the idea, yeah. yeah. 
That's the, that's the, I, I think a lot of them are very specialized and I don't exactly understand the concept. I keep running into things in the environment that I've never seen before. Like things to eat. Uh, these are more like weird sort of bespoke encounters. That's like, there was like a garden of marble trees and some weird robot things. And they were all super hostile to me, but I sort of ran away towards this pig village and then the pigs fought the robots and then there was just a bunch of pig parts and robot parts on the ground afterwards and i picked all those up and i was able to make a bunch of things out of that which was great did you make a pig bot i did not so i only played don't starve enough to like like the hunter gatherer starve yeah i kind of did starve to get to the hunter gatherer part of the game you were describing a science machine makes me like hopeful that that game you eventually just work your way up the hierarchy of needs kind of yeah i mean you 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 build you can build little structures and you 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 like worried about uh you make a better quality food and you're you're worried about your happiness there's there is some sort of like i think there is an end game to the to the game where you like actually can beat the game okay there's this door that you can go through that starts this weird challenge mode that, that, I never, that reminds I'm, me of never the thing that you it. just said reminded me of a joke that I thought of the other day, but didn't tell anyone because I thought it was too obscure in two different directions. Uh-huh. It was my boy Maslow always has something to say. Human needs are consistent and can be categorized <laughs> according to. <laughs> That's really funny. Right. But I feel like you are exactly in the demo <laughs> for that joke. I feel like sure. I only get half of that joke. Right. Do, which, do you not which listen to 99% Indivisible? The, the Maslow part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to you need to listen to ninety nine percent invisible, okay. and you'll get the other half. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Anyway, I I don't I, like you should tweet that or something because it is the the people who will get it will really enjoy. Yeah, it. I guess maybe there will be some intersection on Twitter. I made a a joke on Twitter about uh, mistaking elves for alves. And nobody got it. Because, I didn't know what alves were. Yeah, yeah were nobody elves. got it because nobody realized that I. What I mean is plural of alf. Of alf. <laughs> okay. All right. That's pretty good. Now, wow. <clears throat> wow. Why my brain just didn't go yeah. there? That's so good. <laughs> oh, I love it. I I would have just said alfs. I think because that's both fucked up in the way that makes tweets better like when something's Maybe. just wrong yeah. you know like you stop in the middle of a sentence or something and that just makes your tweet 40 percent better well maybe but like for me part of the humor is like right. pluralizing elf like, like pluralizing like, oaf to oves yeah that's always pretty that's funny pretty good yeah, that's a pretty good that's a pretty solid joke right there <laughs> so my my girlfriend and i were having dinner and at a table behind us there was this little girl who was like out to dinner with her dad just non-stop talking about methods for making different kinds of things out of redstone. Oh, uh, nice. And was she 10? There was, she was, I, I would say she was seven or eight. Oh, wow. Would, would be my guess. Precocious. There was not a damn kid in there talking about fucking don't starve. Okay. <laughs> Just piece of evidence. Zing. <laughs> uh, so uh, what I have said, and I will stand by this, is that don't starve is... Very much like the survival aspect of Minecraft, right? Like you start off with nothing. You have to go around the environment, collect a bunch of stuff. You build a little bit of a home base. You have to acquire food and resources to survive. 
And then Minecraft lets you build sort of whatever the hell you want, which is where it diverges. And, and Don't Starve is very sort of focused on a bunch of stuff. But it also has a bunch of like weird, dark, creepy stuff going on. Like there's that whole sanity meter, which changes the entire game in a bunch of interesting ways. Is that a thing that they added in a patch or is that a thing that like appears? The sanity meter? Yeah. No, you, it's, you start out sane and you slowly lose sanity. Okay. And you, you can do a bunch it's of stuff like to maintain kind of hit sanity. Points, right? Like it's not. Say what? It's just another but kind of hit point. But it's a cooler kind well, of hit point. But does it do it? Does it? Oh, it dramatically changes the game. As, as you lose sanity, like the game fundamentally changes. Huh. Like all sorts of, all sorts of new systems start happening when you get less and less sane. I wonder if all I just right. wasn't good enough to play long enough to go insane or if that didn't exist yet. I think, well, I guess, I, dep- I don't know when you played it, but... It was it, several years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's neat. It's a good game. I'm glad that they are continuing to, to play it. I, I, Melissa was playing it some, and we sat and played it next to each other, and I realized that there's an, an a whole new game expansion for it called Don't Start Together, yeah. and I sh- we should have just tried playing there's that. There's also something, like, didn't they come out with a big... Big uh, new content thing of like Land of the Giants or something like yep. that. Yep, Reign of the Giants. That's out, and then they're they're almost. I think they are about to release, or they have released Shipwrecked, which is another. Hmm. The I got I got Don't Starve, and I think I got the Giants as well on Steam, real cheap in the last thing, but I haven't looked at it yet. It's neat. I like. There's there is a lot to it. You should spend some time with it. I have never looked at a wiki. Which I think slows down my progress a lot, hmm. but I I really enjoy f- learning everything on my own. So, I feel like there's a lot that you could just read about and then. That seems like the sort of game that is best experienced in a small friend group. Yeah, just sharing information that way. Yeah, Melissa was telling me things and I was telling her things, and it was it was really satisfying. Sort of. That's the smallest possible friend group. That is true. Any smaller, it wouldn't be a group anymore. You could maybe, you could maybe uh, have a split personality. Okay. Each personality could oh, leaving play notes for each game. other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You could have that. You could have memento disease. <laughs> right. And everything that you, every crafting recipe you learn, you have to tattoo on your dick. See, I told you there weren't very many recipes in this game. <laughs> what have you been playing, Jim? Uh, I I played uh, some uh, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Oh, is this the one that has quiet? Yeah, yes. although I didn't get to quiet. And a pooping horse. Okay. Yeah, you can make the horse poop. I didn't get to that either. By whistling or something. I think by pressing triangle. You you push on its like belly. You squeeze it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's what the spurs are for. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think for West of Loathing, we now need a special spurs that you can equip. <laughs> Pooping spurs yes, to give you to give poop. you uh, the the behemoth <laughs> to give your horse the behemoth disease. <laughs> you know, from that deer in Castle Crashers that oh right, right just... the rocket propelled deer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that can be the really fast horse option. This is a game that I didn't expect to like I, I i discovered at some point that this game was on xbox 360 which i was very surprised about mm, right. like i didn't think it would be available on a console that i owned huh. is it one of those things like uh shadows of mordor where it's on that console but some of the features aren't there i don't think so 
I think it's just like generally like holistically crappier. (laughs) Okay. So it's not like they took stuff away to make it worse. It's just slightly worse on every axis. (laughs) Right. Okay. That's it's actually metal gear solid 4.8. Yeah. (laughs) And this is a series that like, I've got a little bit of solid. Yeah. (laughs) I've got a little bit of history with, but Metal Gear, like, it's kind of fudgy. Yeah. It's like not quite liquid. I don't know if I want to touch that. It's like a colloid. It's it's like that the the little cylinder inside of the hot tamale. Uh, it's like when you you know when you mix cornstarch and water. Right. <laughs> Ooblek. Yeah. Metal Gear Ooblek. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you also knew that that's called Ooblek? Yeah, I've heard Did that. You one. also knew that. I, I've heard it? that before. Yeah. Huh. I, I think that's a Dr. Seuss word. Um, I played Metal Gear Solid 2, and I remember almost nothing of it, except that it gets all wacky. Um, is that the one with... 2 is the, the one with... Mantis. Mantis, right? I, wh- no, no. No, that's 1. 2 is the one... 1 is the one with a Psycho Mantis fight. the entire game with the blonde, as the blonde guy. Yeah, Raiden. The, the giant fake-out. I, I remembered something from that game. Everybody. I remember the protagonist's yeah. name. Yeah. Um, and this game just starts wacky. Like it, it's, it's very much like if you, if you, if you're not familiar with Metal Gear Solid, like I have no idea how, um, the fans would feel about this, but I think it's actually a really good idea to just play the first hour or two of that game because it's just a, such a great Dada experience. Huh. The first one? Of, of five. Oh. Um, because just things are happening that make no sense or whatever. Yeah, and and also like it's incredibly high production values, and there are all these like it in in many respects it's like, uh, like a, a Tom Clancy kind of a game where like very serious military, but then there's also weird like supernatural magical realism stuff happening, and then also like sometimes like, in a cutscene the camera zooms in on somebody's ass for no reason. Huh. And like, you're not sure if it's just like shaky cam that that's doing that, or if it was on purpose, it's just very strange, like, like fractal, like multiple levels of weird artistic decisions with such a high production value. Everything, everything you hear Kojima say or, or, or see that he does in a game you're left kind of wondering if he's being ironic or totally serious or on, yeah. or is operating on some like extra metal level above that or I, I, I mean like it, it makes me think of like the same thing I was wondering about David Lynch. Like is he does he know he's being funny? Right. Does he know he's being wacky? Like I think it's just David Lynch just really likes weird shit. And I think Kojima's the same way. Yeah. That's my sense of it anyway. Kojima likes weird shit and boobs. Uh-huh. Like, Did you see where Swery got game about that. bitten by his cat, but it's okay because his cat doesn't have any teeth because she's 19 years old. Also, Swery's cat is named H.R. Giger. What? <laughs> oh, th- I bet this all fits in one tweet yeah, using in, ja- in Japanese. Yep. <laughs> Anyway, that was my news. <laughs> that's that's the, new, the news segment right there. That's that. Wait, that wasn't a joke. 
No, that was, well, I mean, it might have been a joke on Swery's part, but it was a real tweet. Wow, crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's great. That that definitely fits my understanding of Swery, mm-hmm. of, of like his, his worldview. Yeah, I... I don't know if I'm going to play this game anymore. I just got to the point where it opens up and becomes an open world game. Yeah, it it, it was described in a way that made it sound kind of just causey or like. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard that about it, and I probably will like put another couple of hours in. But but then there's like this whole weird like base building thing, right? Oh yeah, it's got all that weird like timer. I, deal, like, I get the impression that like this game just has everything in it the same yeah, way they, like, Grand Theft Auto game does. Kept adding systems and like real time payment stuff and like right just goes on and on and on. I, what I heard was that it has Dark Souls style invasions. Oh wow! Yeah, that's there's been that whole nuclear disarmament thing happening as part of that. Right. Where what is this? It's if in your base you build a nuke then that permits other players to invade you to try and take it or destroy it. And Konami has announced this thing where if... I don't remember if it's everybody on all platforms or if it's true for each individual platform, but they were saying, like, if nobody at all has nukes in the game at any given point, then they'll unlock, like, a new cutscene. Whoa. Huh. Some kind of like nuclear disarmament event. Well, let us know how the open world stuff goes. I guess I have to play it now. If it, yeah, if it if you continue to play it all. Do yeah. you guys want to talk about the assignment? Sure. Let's do that. Sure. Strawberry cubes. It was it was intriguingly <sighs> baffling. I feel like I didn't get very far. I found like a few things. I found a room that. Once I figured out how to stay in there long enough to see what was in it, it told me two out of ten. So I guess I found two things out of a set of ten things. Oh, that's pretty good. I, I found se- Secret Gardens 0, 1, and 3. Yeah. Did, did any of you figure out I, how to plant seeds? Yeah. yeah I found the key to spawn star? copies of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, J. J. Uh-huh. Oh, does that give you copies of yourself? I only get birds when I do that. Yeah, I always get enemies when I... There's a, there, there are or... keys for that, too. There are different. There are all kinds of different keys. Maybe the like, keys are different well, per, maybe per play. Haven't. It Whoa. might also be that I haven't unlocked that one yet. I assumed it was... I assumed it was um, deliberate because F spawned frogs. Yeah, F is frogs, I think. You guys, I fucking I've, hate this I've game. been getting, like, birds on, like, <laughs> okay. semicolon, I think. So, semicolon is the chicken. Is the laser laser okay. chicken? Yeah. I, 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 I really like understand that reaction. I'm not sure I like it. I, I was super intrigued. Like, yeah, it's definitely intriguing. It's. He, I like. I just want just a tiny bit obscure, but yeah, I just want something. I want. Yeah. 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 Like, I like. I think you could make a game like this that I wouldn't hate if you, if your character moved faster. Oh wow! Like if you could just. Like, this game is all about everything is fucking crazy. Everything is like, oh, we made some art, and then we fucked it all up. Aren't we subversive? Which I just hate about that entire the school, of school of aesthetic 
thought. I thought it was kind of cool that they were just running like a cellular automata thing on the frame buffer at all times. Yeah. Is that, is that happening? Well, I mean, there, I, I, that was my interpretation of what was happening with the, the weird like glow thing where like the, the, the level would just like, Rose, grow like they, or shrink or like they become wrote noisy. Like a, they wrote a bad flood fill algorithm and were just constantly <laughs> re- like, they were just like, oh, let's, let's take our first stab at a flood fill algorithm, then just change some of the numbers at random and then just run that all the time as the background layer. Like, I, and there's like four keys that you can hit to, to change it. Yeah. I got stuck in a room. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I live here now. And then I figured out that if you hit escape, the game stops running and you can just fucking get on with your life. Yeah, you, can, also you s- can leave the room by hitting escape. Yeah, there, well, there's also several keys that will teleport you other places. I, right, that's that's what I was going to say. I, I, I acquired you, a power really that lets you set a, a teleport point. In, in, oh, wow. In any oh, that's interesting. I didn't get that far. Really? That, uh, that's like the Whenever I play, that's like the first thing I get. So you guys are playing on Mac, right? Yeah. Yes. Kevin and I were talking about this over dinner. On PC, there are some weird implementation, like... Choices. Yeah, where, like, the the game opens two windows. One is a text console. You can't type into it, but you have, like, a debug log in it where, like, all the debug printfs are showing up in the background of the game. And then there's the game window separately. Um... And also, uh, the game accepts keyboard input no matter what window has focus. So, like, you can be in Firefox trying to Google something like, what is going on with Strawberry Cubes? And you can hear, like, your your character moving around in the background <laughs> because it's still controlling. And I I interpreted both of these things as, like, okay, this game is weird enough that these things probably both pay off. Mm-hmm. Like, these are both probably deliberate design decisions where like you need to look for clues in the debug logs what was this game made by a woman i've lauren brick lauren um is that a lady name i I, no. I think i think it's a they yeah i think it's a they like multiple people or no. uh non-gendered i i don't know i don't i think it's a preferred pronoun they okay I mean, I don't know why that matters. I just had the impression of this as a thing that was made by a woman for I, some reason. It, and it's probably just because the person who made its name is Lauren. Yeah, probably. Well, it's L-O-R-E-N. L-O-R-E-N, yeah. Okay. Well, I still hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay. Nobody ascribed you hating it to the gender of the developer. Feedback is like a big part of the relationship that a game maker has between humans and the world around them. What it's, what is fundamentally different about this and La Mulana? Oh, I also think that La Mulana is terrible. Yeah. I had the same problem with La Mulana where like I was putting things, clearly there's something going on here and it's not giving me like, I did not feel like I was getting as much out of La Mulana as I was putting in. Oh. And strawberry cubes was felt like it was giving me more, but like in a way that's not like I wasn't sure how much of it was random and how much of it was a, like a result of what right, I was right. doing. You can't tell what's a choice if everything if everything that the developer is doing looks like fucked up buggy garbage. 
you can't tell what is a choice that they made and what is buggy garbage that they left in because it looked funny. Well, this is something that I, I talk about this in my uh, GDC talk about mystery. One of the points I made is that that's actually a great way to to hide surprises. Um, if pe- people will assume things about your game, like the 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 the, the um, example that I gave in. Uh, in the talk was that like, you know, that, uh, like a polished AAA first person shooter is not going to like put you in a dangerous situation before you actually have a weapon. Um, and, but, but a glitchy game, like, so, and, and so rather my point being like, you, you won't ever actually get scared no matter how like thematically scary the situation is, but a, a super glitchy game, like you don't, really like all your genre savvy just goes out the window. It's not something you can rely on to, to, uh, I guess to make decisions about how you feel. Right. Hmm. And so I, I think the glitches are, uh, um, like if, especially if like the player is unsure of whether something is a glitch, I think that can be a really powerful way to, um, to, to affect the player's mood. I think it needs to be done in the right proportion, though, because... Well, yeah, I think this is way overdoing it. Yeah, like, I just had nothing to to, to hook into, to hang yeah. on. Yep. And that was And I, I wonder, like... Frustrating. It felt like that was... That I felt, it felt like that was on purpose. Like, this was sure. almost an experiment in terms of, like, if, if you make literally, like... Om- I guess not literally everything because they're still like you're moving around a world physically. So and, like, and the rooms are like their rooms you are connected. Can go back you and can forth go back. And the, yeah, exactly. Persistent. Yeah. Wait, like, are they? That's yeah. far as I know. Yeah. In um, large part, they are. Like, I did not have that. Like, I had the impression that a lot of the time I would randomly teleport to some other room, and I don't know if that's because I hit a button. The rooms will like change rendering styles when you enter and leave them, or if there's like invisible doors that. Take, like if there's like you know Wrath of the Black Manta style secret passages that are just like you do a thing and then it teleports you to another room, right? Well, you definitely can hit a key. Like, yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple different, like including including the teleport point power. I found there were other there were two other keys on the keyboard that took me to particular rooms. Yeah, there's the, like the small room with the figure in it oh, yeah. and so like the painting. Four, then, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's that room with all the H looking things or the chairs or whatever. Yeah, that's 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 where you get the the, the teleport, that teleport power. power. I I forget which key on the keyboard it was, but hitting hitting after you've been through that, hitting a key will cause you to drop an H on the ground. Oh huh. And okay. and that's a that's a teleport point. There's a thing that I hate about art like visual art that is there'll be a painting of something but then there will be a part of the painting where there are just some like messy splatters of a color Mm -hmm. and to me that just is bad and this whole game feels like that and i recognize that my thinking that's bad doesn't mean that it's objectively bad and most people disagree with me. But like Roy, I don't think most people disagree with you about this game though. Sure. I think Roy, our friend very occasionally has stuff like that in his pieces and I just hate it every time. And I say, well, Roy, this is the part of this painting that I fucking hate. 
like because you just splattered some paint there as opposed to choosing where some things went. Has he ever like defended this to you? Yes. Because I'd be curious to hear that. I would, too. I don't rem- I mean, I was probably drunk. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I'll ask him. I'll, I'll I'll find one of those paintings in his house or mine. Although I don't think I have any of the ones that had anything that I didn't like. I feel it. like, he, he, if I remember, like, the, sometimes you will be doing something when you're making a piece of art and an accident will happen and you'll really like it. And you will be like, I'm going to keep this. Instead That's of- everything I like about some things I make, basically. Okay. So I, th- there are th- there are systems that are. I think that's. I think there are systems that are the like mechanical version of what you're saying instead of the visual version that you probably like. Yeah, that's yeah. And it's interesting. Well, I mean, that- that's emergence systemically like defined, right? Like things that that like. As as a designer of mechanical systems, you want to make them such that unexpected behavior can come out of them. Mm-hmm. I don't think that as a guy trying to draw a robot that you want unexpected splatters of green paint on your robot. Well, but the physical system I mean, of the physical system that. of painting something can have these like unexpected moments right like i don't think zach that your your problem is with the the creation process like i it's it's the choices it's the like it's 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 choosing to leave mentality yeah yes yeah like it could be that that artist's process is to just keep flicking paint until it looks good. Well, right. Like, you know, an infinite number of monkeys with an infinite number of paintbrushes will eventually do the Mona Lisa, right? Right. But there will be a shitload of Jackson Pollock. Yeah. But like in a, in a stipple pat, not like, not like in the, the brush strokes of, of Da Vinci, except it will be, it will be Mona Lisa, except she'll be a monkey. Da, 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 twist ending. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that uh, Tim Burton movie where it's the Lincoln Memorial, except it's a monkey? Yeah. (laughs) So bad. (laughs) What if you are drawing a robot that has green paint splattered on it? Okay. Like, what if that's your subject? Yeah, okay. Yeah, like, I don't have an objection to things that are messy or things that are decayed or whatever. (laughs) I have an objection, I have an objection to things that don't look to me like choices. Yeah. Right? What if I I was painting a picture of my wall, which has a splat of green paint on it, and then I accidentally drew a robot in the background? (laughs) (laughs) I, the, the cellular automata happening on the frame buffer, that's my interpretation of that, like, that was something someone did on purpose. Right. Like, it would have been way easier to not do that and just have tiles. Right. Like... That, I don't think that bothers me. Like, it's... it's the level evolving as you... Indistinct yeah. edges of accessible space is a thing that just, like, all right, well, now I can't trust fucking anything about any of these screens which means i just if i want to know whether i have uh, whether i can go somewhere i just have to try it because i don't trust that like a red pixel means it's a thing that i can't go through why are you okay with bombing the walls in zelda or i am way less 
Well, so the only reason that I'm okay with it in the Binding of Isaac is because there the level generation is predictable, yeah, and you, you have can, a pretty you, you have a pretty good sense of where that's going to work. I never and you know you know how much of a gamble it is in the Legend of Zelda. I don't actually think it's it's good. I do I do not think I yeah. disagree with Tevis Thompson that the bombable areas becoming basically keyholes, mm-hmm. which happened in A Link to the Past was a bad step I never it. found any I never found anything in in Starberry Cubes that like I never fell through any red sections and I never well okay there were a couple of things that looked like holes that I couldn't go through but I never fell through anything that looked like there a were wall. definitely times where I wasn't sure if something was solid or not but the like ho- the hollow looking thing like there are Things that look like walls that are hollow that you can walk through. Also, the ability to just walk up the vertical walls. surfaces, except super fucking slow, is yeah, like just that should fuck been fuck that you. Been like that's just like a you've created a situation where I have to try everything because I can't trust you to show me where the fucking doors are to this room. And b trying everything is going to take for fucking ever because like your walk speed up these walls because oh this is meant to look like a thing that's not on purpose they could have made it go twice as fast while still looking like it was not on purpose yeah I mean yeah and they should have I I, I I feel like I am uniquely positioned to hate this and I'm not correct I, well I, I i think my my impressions are mine but i think most people are not going to like this game <laughs> I, I think that's i think that's yeah i think that's probably fair to say yeah uh, and i'm not even sure i like it i just like it, it's it's interesting and i kind of want to have a conversation with someone who's played a lot more of it than i have yeah, yeah. i mean i really like the aesthetic and i respect what it's trying to do but i found it too difficult to play to continue playing it so let's say you talk to somebody and they're like the game has a logic there is a narrative it's consistent it's just a matter of getting to it like it's just a matter of comprehending it what and it was somebody you trusted would you would you sit down and be like okay i'm gonna like crack this i would at least give it another shot right because like i could imagine playing a game that uh that like an IF game where they've replaced all the words with fake words or whatever, mm-hmm. and or the Gostak or La Mulana. I mean, I uh, like yeah. the the entire. I don't know. I it, it characterizes it wrong to say my argument with the internet, but everything I saw on the internet talking about La Mulana was people saying this game is impossible without an FAQ, and I set out to prove that wrong, and totally did. It totally is possible. You just have to write everything down, because if you forget any single thing, you'll get stuck. But, you know... End up up with a cool grail diary at the end. It's interesting, (laughs) though. I I did actually have the same feeling about this that I did about La Mulana, as a result of that one fucking background thing in the oh, yeah. that is an impassable wall. Even though most of the time when you see that sprite, it's not an impassable wall. And like me just concluding based on that, well, can't trust anything this yeah, asshole puts was, in front of me. That particular problem is weird. And it's not surprising that it was removed in the director's cut on Vita. Mm. 
Well, I'm not even glad I played this. Wow. <laughs> Gosh. Brutal. I don't regret buying it because I don't, I mean, I don't regret supporting paying for bad art, but like <laughs> it's yeah, boy. Boy. I don't know if it makes you feel better that you've now spent way more time talking about it than you did playing it. Yeah, well. <laughs> Our next assignment. Yes. Home improvisation. Right. This is something that you're trying to you're trying to uh, double get up. double duty. Yeah, because you have to play it for IGF judging. Yep. Because so, you're allowed to you're allowed to be an IGF. So it's tell like us a little bit about a three D IKEA jigsaw. Is that correct? It's, I it, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's also multiplayer. Ikea jigsaw, like they lock you, they lock you in a room with <laughs> a thousand Johnsbo egg bees, and inside one of the light bulbs in the Johnsbo egg bee is the key to your freedom. You have to eat every light bulb yes. until you find the the, key. the hex key to your freedom. <laughs> is this a Steam thing or it's on Steam? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kevin. Yes. If somebody wanted to, uh, send a listener's mail for the listener's mail section of the program, which we do every week. Yeah. Although way before Jim proposes that I we say this, that we have, this I know part I just forgot adjacent to the listener's mail. Uh, but you know, maybe actually, I'll edit that. Maybe I'll back flush. No, this. finding out how to send listener's mail is a reward for, for sticking with yeah for for <laughs> sticking for putting up with our garbage persevering for like an hour or strawberry two, cube you discussion. get to find out how to complain to us about our garbage right uh at, which is at videogameshotdog.com our garbage at videogameshotdog.com yeah go to that website hey you guys i've had a fantastic time recording episode number 225 of video games hot dog with you and i hope we find a time next week to record episode number 226 we will, we will. have we figured it out no next week is fine it's the week after that oh the week after that is the one that's potentially complicated because yeah. of christmas travel plans but anyway listeners i hope you'll join us and until you do keep your ear above the desk and keep necking with the teddy bear oh, <laughs> oh gosh that's a good one <laughs> good night everybody good night have a great week everybody Hmm. Egg. Egg. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Riff. <laughs> <laughs>